You're listening to the Ausleisure Podcast Network. For more details, go to www.ausleisure.com.au forward slash podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Ausleisure Traveller Podcast for Monday the 21st of January. My name is Richard Maguire and this week I am very pleased to be able to speak to Jonathan Jones, who is the Director of Tourism and Marketing in the Welsh Assembly's Government Administration and former Chief Executive of the former Wales Tourist Board. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Richard, good morning. I'm very well, thank you very much. That's very good. Now, Jonathan, I'd just like to start off, if I, if I may, with some general questions about Wales. Um, and most people are aware that this is uh, a part of the UK and part of the mainland. Uh, but what kind of size is the country and what is the general layout? Uh, is it mostly large towns, small villages or picturesque farmland, etc.? Well, let me give you a little pen picture. Um, okay. Most people have an idea roughly where London is in the United Kingdom. If you turn due west out of London, uh, either by train or on the motorway, the M4, or um, by rail, you will be in Wales within two hours. You'll be in Cardiff, from, which is the capital city here in South Wales. You'd be here in under two and a half hours from London. So it's very close to London and to England. We border England. We have a, an eastern border with England, and we're about, ooh, I don't know, 180, 190 miles north to south, and at the narrowest point in the middle, we're about 40, 50 miles. Uh, so we're a very, very small country, um, and we have 700 miles of coastline because wow. due west of us, then, is Ireland, and if you just skip over Ireland, the next parish church is New York. <laughs> Long way to go to Mass on a Sunday morning. Absolutely, And, you know, it is, as you said, it is part of the United Kingdom. You've got England, you've got Scotland in the north, and you've got Wales in the west. And, and we have had a slight change in government uh, in Britain, government systems. We have devolved governments now in Scotland. They have a parliament up there, the Scottish Parliament, yep. and we have a national assembly here for, for Wales, and that's where I'm speaking to you from this morning. Um, and so certain things are still decided by the UK government in London, but certain things like tourism, for instance, tourism policy, tourism administration is devolved to the Welsh Assembly government down here in Cardiff. So I'm answerable to the minister, Minister for Heritage, and uh, that includes tourism. And we're about ooh, just short of three million people, so very, very small number, not a very densely populated country, and that makes it a great place to travel around and to enjoy because we have the concentration of the of the population uh, around about Cardiff where I mentioned earlier uh, where we are at the moment which is the capital city yeah. uh, we're about uh, 300,000 people here in Cardiff that's our largest city uh, and then the rest you know much smaller and the rest of Wales is really small towns and small villages with very few uh, well, in fact, no north to south motorway connections. So it's a driver's paradise if you're over here hiring a little car, right. just driving around the beautiful winding roads. You've just got to take your time, though. You know, you look at the map and you think, oh, I can do that in a couple of hours. Well, you can't. Uh, to drive safely from here to North Wales would take you about four and a half hours. But, you know, you wouldn't want to do it quicker than that because you'd miss all the beautiful scenery. Oh, I, I, quite, I quite agree with you. And it's a country with very much a history of industry. Um, hear a lot about coal and steel specifically. 
Well, yes. Um, if you, we like to think that we're the cradle of the industrial revolution. Now, a lot of places, you know, will will claim that, but we say if you look at the census figures for about 1831, yeah. if you define industrialization as having more men and women working in industry than on the land, then that's what we had in 1831. We had more men and women working in our steel, iron, coal, slate plants than we had on the land. And that was the first time it ever happened, first before Scotland, before England, before Germany, Russia, before America. And so what we had during that period, you know, one of the big problems with Wales is that we, we're, we're not that well known all over the world because we did not have the massive emigration that mm. the English and the Scots and the Irish did. You know, Scots had highland clearances where the poor people were taken off the land and they, they emigrated, of course, many of them to Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Same with the Irish with the potato famine. They emigrated a lot of them to the States. The English emigrated because of, you know, long periods of, of poverty and, and uh, political oppression. What we had in Wales during the Industrial Revolution was massive immigration. People were coming here from all over the world to work in our coal mines, our steel and our iron and our slate. And so we don't have as many unpaid ambassadors overseas as our <laughs> Celtic cousins, the Irish and the Scots have. So we have to work harder at it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so tourism is flourishing Tourism is doing very, very well. Yeah. Uh, our biggest market is, as you would imagine, is our, our, our closest neighbors, uh, England, across the border. Yeah. And uh, we welcome about 10 million British people, uh, predominantly English, but of course we have Scots, Irish, and, and uh, Welsh yeah. as well, but predominantly English people, uh, to Wales every year. Where we, we don't uh, do so well at the moment, but we're working harder at it, is getting our overseas cousins, and especially Australians, to come over and see us. We get about a million people from all over the world coming to Wales just to, to see us on holiday. But we need mm. to work harder at that to get more, more overseas visitors into Wales, because, of course, they stay longer, they spend more, and they're more interested in getting to you know, find the little nooks and crannies and to get under our skin, if you like. Indeed. As in any country, as, as for any tourist, you know, if you spend a little longer and you get to meet the locals, that's really what tourism is about. You just don't dip in and out. You need to get under the, under the skin of the locals a little bit to find out what make, makes a country tick. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And it goes without saying that there would be plenty of things for people to do when they arrive in the country. Well, you know, you'd, you'd really have to decide what you want to do and what you want to see because, as you say, there are so many things. You know, if you wanted to follow history, for instance, you know, we have 641 castles in Wales. Wow. Now, we claim, we claim to have more castles per square mile than any other country in the world. Now, nobody's, nobody's queried us on that yet. I think the Germans have more castles, <laughs> but, of course, they're a much bigger country. Yeah. And, you know, the old joke is that, you know, we have our, predominantly, we have our English neighbors to thank for building those castles, uh, you know, eight, nine hundred years ago to keep us down. And the irony now is, of course, that we charge them to come back in and see them. And, of course, um, something that Australians uh, may not be aware of is that um, Wales has its own language. Indeed. Now, that's my first language. It's Welsh. Um, it is spoken by well over 20%. So that's, you know, 500-odd thousand of us speak that as our first language. Mm. Everybody speaks English. I, I think the last monoglot uh, Welsh-speaking lady in the depths of mid-Wales died, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago. So everybody speaks English, but 500,000 yeah. of us speak Welsh. And it is... 
it is, you know, the old joke is that, um, I'm not sure if it's a joke, I think it's true, that a version of the Welsh that we speak today in Wales mm. was spoken throughout the whole of the British Isles yeah. when English was no more than a series of shrieks in a forest in Schleswig-Holstein. <laughs> Fantastic. But we, we coexist beautifully with our English neighbors these days, no problem. But the Welsh language is totally different. And the great thing is, as, as a tourist, if you come here, you can see it in use even in Cardiff here. You will see mm. it on the road signs. You'll see, you hear it spoken in the shops. It's, a, it's not a language for academics. It's, it's only, I mean, of course, it is an academic language, but it's a language for people like me who speak Welsh in our normal daily life, and you'll be able to hear it in use and see it on the road signs, yeah. but nobody ha needs to have any fear of not making themselves understood because, of course, we all speak English as well. Fantastic. And, the com and, <clears throat> excuse me, and accommodation and food? Well, accommodation, we've got uh, a, a fantastic range, you know, from mm. your small B&Bs, and, and if you've got backpackers, of course, coming from Australia, and that is very, very popular. It's not just us going to Australia to backpack. We yeah. get a lot of backpackers from Australia over here. We have great youth hostels, absolutely fantastic. And they're linked, you know, you can get from one to the other quite easily. Then you can try the small B&Bs where you are really staying in somebody's home in their bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. And that is the best way to find out about the country because those people, if you like, then your unpaid guides, you know, they tell you what's on in the local theater, in the local church, in the local oh, village absolutely. hall. Yeah. They'll they'll take you to the local market. And so running through then the whole range of one, two, three, four, five star up until, you know, we've got some serious five star accommodation. Uh if you're interested in that level of luxury with, you know, spas and swimming pools and jacuzzis and gymnasia and all the rest of it. And they are spread throughout the whole of Wales. But one of the things I think the, the Australian visitor certainly likes when he or she comes here are our farmhouses. Right. Um, we, are, we are still a very, outside the, the industrial south of Cardiff. We're still very much a rural country. And the farmhouses and the farms are the backbone of Welsh culture, Welsh language, Welsh way of life, and indeed mm. the Welsh scenery. And would because, it be fair? Know, scenery, uh, sorry, sorry, our scenery is not man-made. You know, it's been made by farmers, men and women working on the land since time immemorial. And uh, many of these farmhouses open themselves up uh, to visitors. Now that is the best way to see the country because those farms are going to be situated in the most spectacular scenery. I agree. You're going to be looked after by the farmer's wife because it is the farmer's wife who runs the business because the farmer usually runs the farm. Yep. And you know the food that you will be getting there, uh, you'll be eating stuff that you know, has been growing in the garden half an hour before it's on your plate. Oh, wonderful. Um, wonderful. And it really is the, the, the best kind of food imaginable. And would it be fair to say then that you would really need a little car to get to these places or is there public yeah, the, transport yes. that, that services you, the that? Public transport, public transport in Wales is very good. It's yep. much better than it has been and, you know, you will get a timetable from us and it'll show you where the trains go and where the buses go. There's also a telephone line that you can ring once you get here and that will give you the times of the buses and the trains. All you've got to do is plan a bit more and take, take your time if you're using yeah. bus and train. I would say the best way is to hire a little car uh, because you can then in, get into the nooks and crannies. But, of course, the great thing is if you were to hire a car, hmm. go to a little farmhouse, you could then you know, take one or two little trips on the train or a bus. And the other thing that we have here in Wales, of course, we've got a network of what we call great little trains. These are steam trains, right. narrow-gauge steam railways, which were built during the Industrial Revolution, primarily 
to take uh, goods and materials from the mountains down to the coast for export. And they're still there. They're, they're used by locals for getting from A to B, but they're used predominantly by tourists because these little trains climb from the sea right up into the mountains and are still powered by steam or even if it's a little diesel, you know, it'll chuck out smoke at the yep. front and make you, th- oh. make you think it's a trip. <laughs> and it, they are absolutely wonderful. Um, and then again, you get to see some beautiful scenery by doing that. But oh, I would say to people, if, if you want to do Wales by public transport, you, you can do it. You get a train or a bus from London straight down to Cardiff, and then you start moving around on a train or a bus from Cardiff throughout the whole of Wales. But you need, as I said, take a little bit more time and get your maps out and get your timetables out so that you make sure you're not arriving somewhere five minutes after the bus has left. All right. Brilliant. And if I were to come over there or anyone with, 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 a, with a young family, mm-hmm. um, where would you suggest that they look at? Well, the first place I would go to, you know, to be honest with you, get a, get a little bit of grip on history. And I know, I know kids hate museums, but our museums here now are getting very, very family-friendly. You know, uh, you are actually encouraged to touch things. It's not the yeah. don't-touch mentality. Um, there is an open-air museum just outside Cardiff, which is the Museum of Welsh Life, where um, they have taken building down stone by stone, brick by brick from all over Wales and rebuilt them there. So people can see and experience how people lived 100, 200, 300 years ago. And quite often they have activities going on there. You'll have a blacksmith working, you'll have a baker working, you'll have a leathersmith working, you'll have a shoemaker working. Mm. And the kids, you know, can and you can have a school. There's a school there where quite often you will see little kids being taught in the way they were being taught in the Victorian days. Yeah. And that is a real eye-opener for small kids these days to see you know, how strict the discipline was and how kids had to stand up and talk to and how they had to dress and all the rest of it. And, of course, how they used to use slate and chalk before paper was even thought of. <laughs> and then the, going down further west, there's a brilliant maritime museum, brand new, down in Swansea. And mm. um, that gives you sort of the industrial and maritime background to the whole of Wales. And again, it's very IT, modern, great things for kids, you know, touchy-feely, they have knobs and yeah. whistles and stuff for them to play with. Uh, and then, of course, as I said, you've got your 700 miles of coastline. Oh, so good. when, there is, when yeah. the weather is good, you know, you just let them rip on the beach and they have very safe swimming, very safe beaches, very clean beaches. We have over 44 European blue flag beaches. Now, these have to meet very, very stringent European uh, water quality and sand quality and land quality uh, yeah. criteria. And we've got a further green flag, 50 green flag beaches, where these are more rural, so you don't have all the buildings on the land side, but the, the water and the beach and the sand are absolutely perfect. And then, of course, you've got all the, the attractions for the kids, the fun affairs. There's a, a theme park down in Pembrokeshire called Oakwood, mm. which has a brilliant... Um, roller coaster made of wood a woody now yep people you know because you can get all these metal things in las vegas that you know shoot you off into the air and all the rest of it not my cup of tea but kids love them but in in whole thing the cars the structure all made of wood and people travel there from all over the world to, to, to ride these what they call woodies because you know they're they're old from the sort of 20s and 30s and this thing is fantastic. It really is great. It feels good. It rattles. It shakes. It rolls. Perfectly safe, of course. 
but it's the kids love it. And you've got lots of other attractions like that, like farm attractions in another little place in Pembrokeshire called Folly Farm, which is a working farm where, you know, normally on a working farm, kids need to be careful because working farms are dangerous places. You know, you've got machinery, you've got uh, animals, kids need to be very well controlled. But in this one, they've adapted and developed a certain area of the farm where the kids really can enjoy, you know, feeding the lambs and feeding the goats and um, trying to milk a cow or whatever it is. And it really is fantastic. The kids absolutely love it. Well, there's heaps of stuff to do with, with, with a young family yeah. that are brilliant. And all right, well, let's... Yeah, let's, I, don't think, I don't think you'd ever yeah. have any kids in the back saying, hey, mum or dad, I'm bored. Are we, there? are we there yet? <laughs> No, well, then you would be there fairly quickly in Wales That's because, right. as I said, it is. Yeah. You're, you're not into driving for hours and hours before you start find something that will be of interest for the kids. And as I said, the 641 castles that we've got, yeah. now most of those are not just piles of bricks with, with, with signs on them. Mm. Uh, if you come during the sort of Easter to September part of the year, which is our main tourism season, there will be things going on in those castles. You know, there'll be reacting medieval battles. There'll be reacting Roman sieges. They'll have big siege guns throwing stuff over the walls. They'll have medieval ox roasts. They'll have dancing. They'll have jousting. So all those things will be going on. And again, if you were to pop into any of our tourist information centers, that's the best thing to do. You know, do a bit of your planning before you come. Mm. But once you're here... We have about 70 of these tourist information centers throughout the whole of Wales linked in with each other. You just pop in there and say, you know, what is on today that would keep me or my kids or my family entertained? And, you know, within five or ten miles, they'll point you in the right direction and you'll be guaranteed a great time. And let's say the kids come back to Australia and they tell their grandparents what a fantastic time they've had. And all of a sudden, the grandparents think, okay, let's go. What can you tell us about um, things for the retired seniors to get up to? Well, as you probably know, in, in Australia, you're, you're a very active bunch of people anyway, whatever mm. age you are. And and uh, I am told now that I'm approaching 60. I'm supposed to call myself a silver surfer, you know, <laughs> because I'm supposed to be getting out there on my mountain bike and on my whitewater raft <laughs> and my abseiling. Now, I do a bit of biking, I have to admit, but, uh, yeah. you know, I'm... I'm more into the uh, looking at the beautiful scenery, drinking yeah. the lovely wine, eating the lovely food, and and reading and relaxing. Mm. But if you are an active 55 plus, walking is the best thing uh, in Wales. I mean, we have walks galore, and because of course it's it's the nature. Uh, we have three national parks. Yeah. Uh, where everything is protected. We have seven areas of outstanding natural beauty. So you're never far away from open countryside or uh, absolutely beautiful green scenery or mountains. And here in Cardiff, as I said to you before, here is the capital city where the city was built on the wealth of coal. Uh, Cardiff was the largest coal exporting port in the world in 1912, 1913. The world's price of coal was dictated here in Cardiff at the coal exchange. So you think that Cardiff was an industrialized city. Well, it isn't Mm. because the coal mines have all disappeared. Um, And and you're within five miles of the sea here in Penarth with a beautiful pier where you can swim and paddle in the sea. 
and you're within 10 minutes of open countryside in that museum I mentioned to you earlier yeah. on, the Museum of Welsh Life, which is set in beautiful farmland, 10 minutes west of the city. So can, I would say to older people, come for the history, the heritage, the festivals, the music, if you're interested in music. And I know in, in Australia, you, you have adopted the Welsh word, Eisteddfod. You have got them, and I've, I've seen them when I've been out there in Sydney and, and Adelaide and Melbourne, Brisbane. I've seen that you have these Eisteddfod, um, and Eisteddfod is simply a Welsh word for a cultural competition where people sing and, com and compete against each other, dance, recite Fantastic. poetry, write poetry. Um, those are held through the medium of Welsh and English. And even if they're in Welsh, you can get simultaneous translation to let you know what's going on. Um, so if you're interested in, in a bit of history, heritage, culture, uh, then I would say that, that, you know, the older person could combine, you know, a bit of activity, yeah. yes, hire a bike. And, and you don't have to go mountain biking. You can cycle on beautiful cycle paths away from the traffic through beautiful scenery. You can do a bit of walking. You know, we grade all our walks between leisure and really hard ones. Mm. Um, and then you can just wander around and enjoy the place and meet people, talk to the local people. We, that's what we hear from all our research studies is that people genuinely enjoy meeting the Welsh people. And you would expect me to say this, wouldn't you? But when we do surveys amongst our B&Bs and all the rest of it, we ask them, you know, which of the overseas visitors do you like most? And lo and behold, you know what they say? Australians. Oh, really? Cause, yeah, because you guys are so easy to get on with. As are we. We call a spade a spade. We're yeah. fairly down to earth. We're not very snobby about anything. And certainly we know that you Aussies are in the, in the same boat there. So I think there is a meeting of minds when you guys come as far as Wales. Jonathan, if I could then talk to you about backpackers. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, and um, if you can give us some advice on, on activities or nightlife or where they can meet up with other backpackers, that'd be great. Well, I tell you, there's a, we've got a great website, uh, which is www.gotowales. Now, that's one word, yeah. gotowales.com. Now, that gives you all the information that backpackers want. But, you know, we've got things like, well, obviously, camping. As I mentioned to you, we have these three national parks and, and, and the areas of outstanding natural beauty. You've got campsites all over those places. You've got youth hostels. Uh, very well linked up by bus and by um, by train. You've got smaller little sort of VW camper tours. You know, you you can link up with those and go off into the depths of Wales, into places where other people might not get to. And then all the activities. Then you've got the more strenuous walking for the for the youngsters. You've got the serious mountain biking. Right. I mean, Mountain Bike Magazine. I think a couple of years ago voted us the second best mountain bike destination in the world after wow. California. Wow. Now, personally, I wouldn't want to be mountain biking in the heat of California. No. I'd rather be doing it in a slightly cooler, cooler temperature of Wales. Um, abseiling. Co-steering is a wonderful thing. You may not have heard about this. Never heard of it. This is where you, you get to the coast on some rocky bits, and you go around the coast on the rocks, either on the rocks or in the water. Right. So you've got a full wetsuit, you've got your, your life jacket, you've got your hard hat on, and you, you, you're scrabbling around the rocks or jumping off the rocks into the water. Absolute fun. If you're that kind. I, like, I like to sit and watch people do that. You know. <laughs> With a glass of wine. <laughs> Two glasses of wine, yeah. <laughs> 
but seriously, uh, and, and then of course, whether you're young or old, we've, golf is a fantastic thing that we've got here in terms of activity. We've got the Ryder Cup yeah, coming here. You know, the Ryder Cup is the the yeah. uh, game between every two years between America and European golf. And I know it's watched in Australia. It's watched all around the world. We've got it coming here to Wales in 2010. We've got over 122 golf courses in Wales, very welcoming, where you can hire clubs. You don't have to bring them with you, pay and play. And they range from nice little nine-hole seaside courses up to your championship courses, like the Ryder Cup course in Celtic Manor. So there's every conceivable activity. And, and the other things are hang gliding and yeah. parascending and parachuting because of all these mountains that we've got, I'm amazed. Wherever I go, I see people throwing themselves off mountains. I mean, they must be mad. Oh, absolutely but they mad. they love it. Crackers. They, they love it. Yeah. I could talk to you for hours, but unfortunately, <laughs> we're coming to the end of our time. But just before I go, Jonathan, I'd like to just ask you about, um, in the days of the eco-friendliness coming to us now, sure. and with Wales sure. being a place with plenty of farming and open spaces, I yeah. assume that the green issues are very high on the agenda there. The, and the green, and, green yep. sorry, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, and would there be any must-see eco-friendly attractions that people could go and yes. look at? Yes, there would. And interestingly enough, I mentioned earlier on, you know, our National Assembly here in Wales. Under our constitution for the National Assembly, the National Assembly and the Welsh Assembly Government have a statutory duty to promote sustainability. So wow. we're working very hard with our political masters here on developing a sustainable tourism framework and a sustainable tourism action plan mm -hmm. to make sure that our tourism businesses are sustainable, both in terms of economic terms, because you have to have businesses that actually make money and survive before you can start saving the planet. Yep. But, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, using bio-friendly materials in the, in the hotels, um, uh, environmentally friendly uh, fuels to to heat uh, the 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 hotels and the guest houses, and you know there's an excellent example down in St David's, which is right in the western part of Wales, and it is the smallest city in England, Scotland, and Wales because it's got a cathedral. Right. And in the old days, two pilgrimages to St David's was equal to one to Rome. So it's, we've still got this beautiful 11th century cathedral there. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, and in, in, in the shadow of that cathedral, you have a beautiful, brand new, eco-friendly hotel where they, they have built it uh, to eco-friendly specifications. They run it in an eco-friendly way. Uh, the food never travels more than 10 or 15 miles to be prepared mm. locally. You know, they're not importing, uh, I don't know, papaya or prawns or right. avocado from the other side of the world. And more and more of those little places are growing up. But the one place I would tell people to go and see, and it's been there for years, it was developed almost, I mean, the people who would, would develop it would, would forgive me for saying this. They were a bunch of hippies back in the sort of 60s. Um, and it's called the Center for Alternative Technology. Now, it was considered a bit off the wall then. You know, they had their yeah. beads, their caftans, and their Citroen <laughs> 2CVs and all the rest of it. Now, they are a serious, very serious research body, yeah. uh, but still carrying on the principles that they established in the 60s. And it is a center for alternative technology. And everything they do there is driven by sustainability. But it is also a tourist attraction. 
so kids can go there and, and play games and see things uh, being done, but also can be explained to them why things are being done. There is another open-air attraction, which, again, kids love in North Wales, called the Greenwood Centre. Hmm. Again, where everything is built on sustainable principles, and you know, even the roller coasters are run on environmentally-friendly ground. They're, they're run on gravity and all the rest of it. Um, and this is something that is becoming more and more important for us in Wales, because we are a small country. We yeah. don't want to spoil the very reason why people come here. So it's very important for us to safeguard our nature, to keep it clean, keep it tidy, not to let overdevelopment come in. And where we do develop in order to create work, and at the end of the day, that's all any tourist board wants to do is to create employment for the local people and to create wealth for the local people. I think it's we very have to impressive. Balance that. Yeah, we have to balance that with, with the need to make sure we keep the very things that people come here to see, and that is the outstanding nature and the beauty uh, and the language uh, of, of this small, beautiful country alone. You talk about that, Jonathan. Uh, I'd just like to say before we go, that it's, it's a very impressive thing what you're doing with the Acre Fernandez, and there's, you are a wealth of information, it has to be said, and we thank <laughs> you for coming on the show. Um, so much to think about for the Australians when they get going over there and planning their trip to Wales. Um, I guess my only... Uh, I'd like to know if there is a website that they could go Indeed and have a is. look at. Yep. The, the first one I would mention is www.visitwales.com, yep. and Visit Wales is one word. That's our general website, and from that, you can go into a variety of websites on mountain biking and history and heritage and castles. Fabulous. And then there's the other one I mentioned, which is more for the, for the bike packer, and that's www. Go to Wales.com. Go to Wales yep. is one word. Well, we'll make sure that all those details uh, are in our show notes with all the links that have been mentioned today that accompany the episode. Jonathan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I thank you so much. Richard, it's been my pleasure to talk to you, and I hope you'll drop in to see us when you're ne next back in the old country. I'd and I, wish Tottenham, I still wish Tottenham Hotspur the best of luck. <laughs> you're an angel. Thank you for saying that. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, take bye -bye. care. Bye bye now. Well, that's about it for this episode of the Ausleisure Traveller. Our thanks go to Jonathan Jones for his marvellous insights into the wonderful country of Wales. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode when we will be talking to Theresa Timms from Visit Cornwall. I'm looking forward to that and I hope to see you then. Until next time, see you later.